It's the most wonderful time of the For the four major radio networks, 1947 was a year of record business. ABC saw a 7.25% gross billings increase. NBC sold out its entire primetime programming block. CBS had 17 shows with ratings higher than 15. And Mutual Broadcasting had the most affiliates in the country. Total radio revenue was over $500 million. There were now more than 36 million U.S. radio homes, and urban centers accounted for 60% of the population. But you know, a lot of people don't really remember that you were a pretty big star on radio even before television came along. You were involved in radio from the 30s right on into Before the, the 30s. I was with Rudy Valley in 1928 for a year on the Fleischmann Yeast uh-huh. program. I had my own radio shows, Gillette Community Sing, Zig for Follies of the Air. And then, of course, I was in nightclubs, Vaudeville and Broadway in the Ziegfeld Follies and Broadway, and I played Life Begins at 840 and many, many big legitimate shows. And I was receiving, you talk about vengeance taking a cut, I was receiving a lot of money in 1946 at the place called the Carnival in New York. I was there for about 51 weeks, and I was averaging $12,000 a week those days. So from going from 12000 a week to 1700 a week, just because it was a new field and starting a new career, I think that's a pretty big cut. Johnny presents the Milton Berle Show. The Milton Berle Show was one of a half dozen titles showcasing Berle in his star-crossed radio career. Until 1946, he was considered radio's best-known ratings failure. But NBC saw potential in Burrow, where CBS had failed. In March of 1947, they gave him his own variety show, sponsored by Philip Morris. In its second season on NBC, Tuesdays at 8 p.m., the show's audience jumped 40%, and Burrow finally cracked radio's top 50. In December, his rating was 17.5 against Big Town on CBS. Here is the Milton Berle Show with Pert Kelton, Jack Albertson, Al Kelly, Johnny Gibson, Billy Sands, Charlie Irving, our singing star Dick Farney, Ray Block and his orchestra, and yours truly, Frank Gallup. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the week when Santa Claus pays us a visit with his familiar old bag of gifts. We now bring you a comedian who visits you every week with his bag of familiar old jokes. And here he is, Milton Berle. Oh, who we got out front? Whistler's mother? Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And what a day, Mr. Gallup. I had Christmas shopping. Christmas shopping. That's American for buying something someplace for somebody who somehow buys you the same thing for the same price on the same day in the same store. <laughs> Mr. Gallup, I got all my presents but one. I, 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 st- I still don't know what to get the sponsor. You know, I want to get the sponsor something he'd like better than anything in the world. Get him Bob Hope. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Hope. Oh, Mr. Gallup, uh, it's Christmas, presents, oodles of goodie for good little announcers. <laughs> Watch your P's and Q's, Mr. G. When the old year goes, you wouldn't want to go with it, would you? <laughs> would you? Well, I hope you haven't succumbed to this sentimental foolishness and bought me a gift. 
sentimental foolishness. So that's the thanks that you get for trying to do something warm and friendly in the Christmas spirit. Sentimental foolishness. <laughs> then you did get me a present? No. <laughs> I just seem can't. I just seem can't. I just can't seem. <laughs> I drove over in a Studebaker. I, uh... I just can't... I just can't... Just don't applaud. Don't applaud. It's Christmas. Just, uh... If you want to give me a present, not applaud. I just, uh... I just can't Nevertheless, Earl and sponsor Philip Morris parted company in April of 1948. Lounging pajamas? No, a slab. Okay, then, Mr. Gallup, since there's nothing you want me to get you, at least you can... He returned to radio for ABC in September of 1948 with the Texaco Star Theater. And for one season, did the Texaco show on both radio and TV. You went into TV with a vengeance, and uh, you succeeded beyond all expectations of, of anyone I don't think it was a TV. vengeance. What's the connotation there, Joe? Well, what I learned was that you had taken a salary cut from radio oh. to go into TV. I didn't get any money, if that's what you meant. That's uh -huh. the vengeance. No, I was... <laughs> well, you doing, went I, in in spite of that situation. <laughs> well, I didn't. You know, you're opening new uh -huh. fields, and... They didn't have any money. And I think your listeners would be very surprised to know what the Texaco show, first season the show was on from 48 to 49, what the overall show cost below the line and above the line and costs for actors, personalities and stars, mm -hmm. for scenery, costumes and music. The overall show cost $15,000. Now you can't buy a girl singer to do four bars for $15,000. How could you do, in 48-49, a complete season of the Texaco Star Theater on TV and still do a complete season for Texaco on radio? That's like true. That now, you got that. You really put it right down because no one knows that the first 48, season of 48-9, I did 39 weeks on radio for Texaco on Wednesday mm -hmm. and 39 live television hour shows for Texaco on television. When did you sleep? I didn't sleep too much. <laughs> and the first year, which is kind of surprising, no one knows this, but we didn't have any writers. I only remembered what I had done in uh -huh. vaudeville and mm -hmm. nightclubs, and we didn't have any writers because we couldn't afford them. And I think my first salary on that show was about $1,700 or something for an hour show for the first mm -hmm. year, just because it was new fields to discover. By a, 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 an account of... Uh, huh? <laughs> Don't go away, I'll read it again. But does anyone... Earl's Texaco radio rating was down from his previous season on NBC, but his TV show was a smash. He went exclusively into the new medium in 1949. I was on one called This Changing World... It was a very poignant story, and the husband was sent overseas, and then a woman's trying to ad adapt herself to a business life and a life alone. They tried to do several shows like that. Technically, we went through some amazing kind of things because we were always on standby for news. So that as the actors brought numerous colored pencils to the studio because you would have first cut, second cut, and third cut as to hap that means, you know, the cut in the script as to what kind of an emergency broadcast might be coming on. While you were 
trying to emote, you would look into the control room and the director would be standing there with one finger up, which meant take the first cut and that's all you need. And you really had to have eyes in the side of your head in radio. Big Town was perhaps the most famous reporter series on the air. It aired Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. over CBS and starred Edward Pauley as Steve Wilson with soap opera star Fran Carlin as Lorelei. Life Boy Health Soap presents Big Town. Extra, extra hero about prelude to Christmas. Tonight's Big Town story brought to you by Life Boy Health Soap used in the homes of 40 million Americans. Extra, extra. Life Boy Health Soap presents Big Town, the headline stories of a great city dramatically reported by Steve Wilson, fighting managing editor whose creed, as with all great newsmen, is emblazoned on the masthead of the illustrated press. The power and the freedom of the press is a flaming sword, that it may be a faithful servant of all the people, use it justly, hold it high, guard it well. Now to Big Town and Steve Wilson's timely and touching story of a child's simple faith, and captioned, Prelude to Christmas. This is the story of the eternal struggle of faith against fear in the mind of a child, and began as 10-year-old Greta Vilna and her father, two of a thousand displaced persons from the shambles of Central Europe, stood at the rail of a mercy ship as it steamed into Big Town Harbor. Papa! Papa! I am frightened! Why are all the little boats blowing their whistles at us? Are they going to send us away from America? Make us go back? No, Greta, my darling one. That is the great heart of America welcoming us. But, Papa, what of the boat with officials in uniforms? What of them, my child? Except for the American GI soldiers at RDP camp. I am afraid of officials in uniforms, Papa. You must not be afraid anymore, my darling. But, Papa... In December of 1947, the show had a rating of 21.4. It was the only time slot CBS won on Tuesday evenings. 